Welcome to the Boys of the Summer. This is episode 79. I'm Gene Gums, joined by my friends Eric Braun and Paul Arnold. And uh, we're a couple of weeks into the season. We thought it would be time to uh, to decide uh, that we're all uh, we're all geniuses and all our picks are right and everything that we predicted to happen is going to happen. And until you look at the standings and you say to yourself, you know, I, I don't know about you, but I, I did not think the Oakland athletics would be at 500 at this point in the season, because when we did our show a couple of weeks ago, guys, we were talking about them selling everybody, but Raleigh fingers. And here that they are at the 500 mark, I would almost have biggest surprise for the early season. Yeah, they're right there. I mean, they're, they're one Tom Bergeron or not Tom Bergeron. <laughs> dang it. What's the, uh, dancing with the it. stars uh, reference already. Yes. Already. No, Dang it! Who's the guy from uh, from Major League? It's not Tom Bergeron. Anyway, oh, uh, Tom Berenger. Tom Berenger. Berenger, yeah. right? Yes. Tom. Uh, yeah, Berenger. Tom Berenger. Yeah. Uh, uh, walk on away from uh, from being Major League. Well, I figure uh, they have maybe the up. Good Paul. All right, sorry, folks. We're having a little technical difficulties, but. You know, Gene, I think they want to draw in more fans and win a few games, but uh, I think that's not working so hot so far. Uh, no, you could say that, and and I'm, I, it's a good segue, Paul. Well, well, you know what? We've been doing this too long. We even got the segues down. When you look at the attendance around Major League Baseball, uh, the Oakland Athletics are not just last. They're embarrassingly last. Uh, they're averaging at home... 7,400 fans, and that is misleading because the other night I was watching a game in Oakland, and they announced the paid attendance was 5,000 people. If there were 2,000 people in that in those stands, I'll eat my hat. I mean, so they're they're looking at paid attendance. They're looking at ticket tickets sold. They're not looking at butts in the seats. I mean, they're playing in front of crickets. Yeah, and I think that's by design, honestly. You know, if you you they they got rid of everyone and they told everybody they were going to be bad. And now they expect to be bad. The team's not playing <laughs> terrible, but that's exactly what they're going for, right? I mean, like it's like they've made a point to make sure that everyone in the media knows how terrible attendance is. And it's like, look, we we can't get a new stadium. Las Vegas looks great. Something's got to change here. We can't keep playing in this terrible stadium. And they're right. I mean, I so, you can't blame anybody in this situation. Really, you know, uh, the, the the team wants to have a, a decent stadium and fans in attendance. The the fans don't want to pick up the tab on a giant new fancy stadium. I I don't know where the, you know, do they need to move to Las Vegas? I don't know, maybe. Well, if I mean, yeah, it just seems to me that this you're absolutely right. This is what they that's what they were trying to do. And they're yep. and, and I, the question is, are they trying to make the case for the move? Or do you think that this is to strong arm the local people to get a stadium? I I really think they just want out of there. They want to I, follow the Oakland Raiders to Las Vegas. That's what I think. I, I think that's plan A. I think plan B is to get a new stadium in Oakland. I think they don't I don't think they have any faith that that'll happen. And I don't blame them. I don't think I don't think that's gonna happen either. Because you know, Las Vegas has a whole entertainment industry built around this kind of stuff, and they can sort of they understand that they'll have to pay a lot of money for the venue, and that's sort of built into their economy. Whereas in Oakland, you know, by you know San Francisco Bay standards, is is a working class economy, and people there are going to be less interested in footing the bill on a you know the the fancy stadium. Yeah, going to an Oakland game right now is like going there, ordering a soft drink, and you you know pay five bucks for a soft drink instead of getting a Coke or Pepsi, you get Shasta or Czech Cola <laughs> or Mr Pepper. You know, you get the watered down, <laughs> cheap version, and you're going, "What the heck? I just paid five dollars for something that cost them, you know, like twenty eight cents per drink." And yeah, this is so intentional. And um, you know, what does in Major League Baseball what has to happen? What does a commissioner need to step in? Do you know what public perception has to change? I think it's a done deal. They're gone. I think in two years they're gone. 
and, that's, and I and I don't think you're going to see. I don't, I don't think you'll see the commissioner step in here because I think the commissioner does want them out of Oakland. Look, Oakland has been a pit for a long time. That that stadium, and whether and whether they get a new stadium or not, I think that Major League Baseball, especially now with the gambling uh, partnerships that they're growing, I think Major League Baseball wants to be in Las Vegas, and they're happy as hell about this. It's so weird having, you know, the, because they're sort of quasi-public institutions, right, where the, the, so, many of the, so much of the public picks up the tab on the stadiums where these companies go in and, and, and make a huge, ridiculous profit, <laughs> you know, and, and the workers there, you know, a, a large chunk of the workers there are making incredible amounts of money. It, it really throws the math off on how, um, what, what the cost-benefit ratio is yeah i agree well i I don't i I don't think that any stadium should be publicly financed oh i I really don't i think think we have seen yeah you you look at the math you know and and they'll try to sell you all all the benefits to the local businesses and you look at the math of publicly funded stadiums and the, the the uh the cities get the shaft Every time. Exactly. Every time. Every time. Atlanta, Atlanta just got smoked. Yeah. I, matter, yeah, matter of fact, I'm going to be going to Truist uh, in a couple of weeks. I'm looking forward to seeing it, but it's just one of those things. And, and by the way, you know, and, and I'm, I don't mean to disparage your place before I go, but my wife and I are getting ready to go there. And we live down in, in uh, southwestern North Carolina. We're right on the Georgia border. And our local channels on DirecTV are all from Atlanta. We don't get any North Carolina channels, even though we live in North Carolina. So we get all the Atlanta channels. Every time I turn on the news, there are people getting shot in Atlanta on a daily basis. I mean, it is just insane. So my wife and I are going. We have a hotel that's a mile away from the ballpark. So I said, you know, we could probably walk that. And my wife, we were watching the news one night and three people had been shot in downtown Atlanta. My wife looked at me and she said, we're not walking anywhere. She said, I know it's only a mile. We're taking the car. Well, where the stadium is, is not downtown Atlanta at all. Yeah, That's yeah. one of the reasons they moved from the south side uh, where Turner Field was, which wasn't too bad. But around it, if you went two miles away from it, you could get in trouble. But right. where they are now is, you know, it's so centered around other shopping and everything like that. Um, it's all about, I think, how much does a city want to rebound? Like in Detroit, they built, they wanted the, the stadiums to come back. They wanted the players to come back. They were trying to rebuild downtown. But I don't think Oakland has any of those goals. Oakland is sort of like, we're cool <laughs> being second to San Francisco. We're cool. Well, you know, and it's funny, Baltimore made a conscious decision that they wanted to build up the harbor area. Right. So Camden Yards was in a per- a perfect place and it had it really has revitalized that area, which by the way makes the fact that they've lost 100 games the last two or three years in a row criminal. Um but having said that, I mean Baltimore did it the right way, but even in Baltimore and, and I'm sure have you guys been to Camden Yards? Yep, never. Yeah, I have. Beautiful ballpark. But, but it's very similar to the old Turner Field where you don't want to stray more than a mile or two from that ballpark because yeah. the, some, of the, some of the streets not too far from there aren't great. But it did the job that it needed to do, and I, but I think you're absolutely right. I don't think Oakland, the, the, the people that run that city, really care about the Oakland Athletics or the Oakland Raiders, and they're just fine being what it is they are. Now, why that is, I, I don't know, but they seem to be very content just kind of being a, uh, I don't even know if they're second class. They might be like third class, and you could probably throw like a Sacramento in there or something, but uh, I, I don't think they care. Yeah, yeah. I think, I think uh, of, of all the, the towns in, in all of the country that don't care about keeping their baseball team. I think Oakland is right at the list. It's a strange, it's such a, an anomaly, you know, in, in that whole area of, of affluence that they're, they just don't care about their baseball team. I think they'd rather have a soccer their football team. franchise rather than a baseball right, their one. football team. Yeah. <laughs> There's a small group. That well, I mean, the football now team. Do, 
Do the Warriors still play in Oakland? Yep. The basketball team? Do they really? Wow. They do. Okay. I didn't know they still played in Oakland. But I, but, well, that's good for them. At least they've, you know, maybe maybe they're well attended. But uh, I want to get, when we're talking about attendance and, and surprises to start the season, I'm going to go right to your favorite place, Paul. That's the American League Central Division. And, you know, we were still we're still all kind of waiting to see who's going to shuffle out of there. Everybody said the White Sox are going to be great. Well, they're six and eight. Uh, everybody thought the Twins were going to be much better. They're seven and eight. <laughs> Tigers are six and eight. Kansas City's five and eight. You look at the top of the standing as, ladies and gentlemen, the Cleveland Guardians, who are drawing a grand total of about 13,000 people a game. So another, another well-attended team uh, on top in the American League Central. Parody, buddy, parody. NFL loves parody. I'm not sure the Major League Baseball loves as much, but isn't this sort of good for both the Royals and the Tigers, Eric? <laughs> well, my five and eight Royals would maybe <laughs> feel like maybe a little more parody is in order, but uh, but yeah, I mean, look, the the AL Central is you know they're they're beating themselves up too, right, a little bit. Um, but you know the Twins are playing okay. Um, the guardians, um, you know, uh, are, are overachieving a little bit. I think the white Sox are kind of, uh, you know, wondering about the wisdom of, of letting, um, you know, Rodon go, um, you know, I think, uh, you know, he's doing great out in San Francisco. So I think it's, it's, it's making for a pretty interesting, at least top half of the, the AL central, my, my Royals up and down a little bit, admittedly, um, <laughs> Uh, but uh, but yeah, I think uh, I think the central is going to be a lot of fun. Yeah. Well, I, and and now uh, the White Sox just took a hit. Eloy Jimenez is hurt yet again. Uh, yep. He lost what a good portion of last year with that pectoral muscle, and now he's down. He injured his hamstring. Now they don't think it's season ending, but it is a fairly significant hamstring injury. So that's a you know look if you're a Tiger fan or a Royal fan. Uh, I don't think you're feeling too sorry for what's going on in Chicago right now. Well, that's always the case, but, uh, <laughs> but yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I'm always happy for, for the White Sox to lose. And Gene, your Red Sox are doing pretty good. 500 yeah. ball. I mean, you were, didn't even want to uh, talk well, about them um, last podcast and here you are okay. playing 500. No, hang on, hang on. First of all, we're not 500 anymore. Yeah, Lost today. Say, yeah. So seven, eight. And by the way, I predicted we would finish in fourth place in the American League East. And right now, the Boston Red Sox are in fourth place in the American League East. Um, and, you know, look, it, last night, they got no hit for nine innings last night against the Tampa Bay Rays. Uh, but it was nothing, nothing. They go to the 10th inning. The Red Sox score two runs at the top of the 10th. They give up a, a, a bomb in the bottom of the 10th and lose the game. Yeah. Uh, you know, and so it's like it's. Uh, I just I I grab. I was headed right to the refrigerator in the liquor cabinet because it's that <laughs> that's the kind of year it's going to be. Uh, you know, so they're they're about where I thought they would be. I think they're going to be. I think they're going to be a slightly better than 500 team, but they're not going to be better than than the Jays, the Yankees, uh, or the Rays. I just don't see it. And and the Rays, by the way, they're over 500, and they're drawing about 12 or 13 thousand fans a game. Another team, I still. I, it still boggles my mind, and I know Florida is different, but it still boggles my mind that this team finds a way to win every year. And they're one of the most frustrating teams to watch because they're a bunch of guys you never heard of, <laughs> with a few exceptions. And they just keep throwing out these guys, and they find ways to win, and yet nobody in Tampa cares. And if it wasn't for the Red Sox and the Yankees, they'd never have a full house there. Because when the Red Sox and Yankees come in, all the Red Sox and Yankee fans that live in Florida come to the games. But it's just nobody Nobody cares in Tampa. Hell, they tried to play half their games in Montreal until Major League Baseball said no. Hmm. You know, that's so that's another one of those franchises along with Oakland that you have to wonder sometimes what 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 they're thinking. What what are they going to do? Well, with Tampa, it's almost I mean, it's like they're trying to lose. I mean, they win consistently every year. I think it's just their terrible stadium. <laughs> you know, I mean, I wouldn't want to go see a baseball yeah. game. It's hard to get enthusiastic yeah. about it's like the old uh, yeah. you know, Hum, you Hubert Humphrey Dome. It's just a terrible place to watch <laughs> oh, baseball yeah. from every report I've heard. So, you know, uh, the, I think if they had the it, baggy. Place, you're right. The baggy, the hefty, hefty bag outfield. Uh, it's just, you know, uh, but still you would think a team that's been that good consistently, even without a ton of star power, you think they, they draw some people. Mm. 
So for my job, part of my job is to serve on the ethics team. So I got a baseball <laughs> ethics question for both you guys. Ready? Oh, great. Okay. Oh, all right. All right. Is it appropriate and acceptable for you to have a second backup team? I know, Gene, your favorite team is the Red Sox, but it's okay you have a backup team that you can cheer for when the Red Sox have a bad season. Is it okay to have a backup team? Yes. Yeah, I do it all the time. I mean, I, as a as a as a uh, member of the Kansas City Dysphoria, <laughs> I uh, you know I have nice. always have the Royals <laughs> as my top team, but then a uh, but then like the local team. So so it, currently the Astros. I still have a special place in my heart for the Tigers and the Braves. Wow, you four timed it, man. I I'm a four timer. That's true. Wow. I, I look, I, I look at it this way. I'm a baseball fan. Right now, I'm a Red Sox fan, as you well know, and I, I, you know, I mean, I think gets me more worked up than watching a Red Sox game. But I'm a baseball fan, so I, I don't, you know, I mean, do I have a couple of other teams that that I like to see win? Yeah, and one of them is a team that, you know, one of my favorite teams is the Dodgers. I, I mean, you know, and I, and 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 it's it's been since I was a kid, and and you know what? It's not even because of who the Dodger players are. I love, I grew, fell in love with the Dodgers because of Vin Scully. And so I still, to this day, I still kind of root for the Dodgers. Now, it doesn't hurt that uh, Dave Roberts, who is, you know, uh, one of the uh, all-time legends in uh, in Boston history for what he did in the playoffs when they, you know, broke the curse. Uh, it doesn't hurt that he's the manager, but that's that's kind of my backup team. Um, and, and then, you know, and then the other team that's kind of my backup team is the St. Louis Cardinals. That's another team that I've 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 kind of rooted for my whole life. Yeah, I love that answer, Gene, that we're baseball fans, and my backup is the right. Braves. I, I love the Braves, but even before the Braves is Red Sox because my grandpa loved them. So I have three teams I root for. Yeah, I don't think there's – I don't think there's – I'll tell you what. I just – I don't think there's anything wrong with that. And I think – but I will say this, and I, maybe I'm wrong, but I think that's almost unique to baseball. Um. Because it's funny. I mean, when I, you know, all the people I talk to when I do my show and all the years I've, I've, I've been around sports, you don't hear about a lot of people saying, you know, I'm a Boston Celtics fan, but I root for the Knicks too. You know what I mean? I mean, you don't, you don't hear them talking about having a second basketball team or a second hockey team or another football team that they root for. Um, so I, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it's just because I'm such a diehard baseball fan, but it just seems to me that I hear that more about t- people having backup teams in baseball than I do any other sport. Yeah, I think that's true. And I think a lot of that is because it's a 162 game season, right? I, you know, when you look at football yeah. and you know, these other, it's all very concentrated. Every game matters. It's super intense. Uh, but with baseball, you know, we got 162 games. You have to watch a lot of games over the course of the year. And I you know, have to is the wrong word. But, you know, you get to watch, you know, a lot of baseball <laughs> games over the course of the year. Right. I mean, look, even, you know, at the end of the year, uh, you know, when my Royals are, are are typically done for the season, the Cardinals are on the TV in my house because of my wife. And I root for the Cardinals, which. So you're talking. So you're talking like the all-star break. <laughs> that's that's really cruel. Ooh, Gene. wow. Or, you know, Gene, <laughs> Sorry. Gene. Uh, that was a words, Sorry. I thought <laughs> Eric was the snarky one. Wow. Look look words hurt, Gene. And <laughs> um but yeah, so I'll uh but with the uh but I you know I'll even root for the for the Cardinals in postseason if it just means you know that we get to watch more baseball in my house. Right. Yeah, and 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 it never hurts to make your wife happy. Exactly, especially if your wife's a baseball fan, and we get to watch more more baseball right. on the big yeah, TV. That's a beautiful thing. And and you know what? You need another team so that if you're watching, if I'm watching the Red Sox one night and they're down eight to one in the third inning, I got right, another exactly. game that I, I can go to. Right. You know <laughs> that I've right. got a little rooting interest in. Right. Exactly. All right, sounds um, good. So you let's, guys let's passed say... the ethical test. <laughs> oh, good. Good. It's good to know. I could I could sleep tonight. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let's stay in the American League Central, and I don't know if you guys saw the video of this. I actually happened to be watching the game when it happened Saturday in uh, Yankee Stadium. The Yankees came back to beat the uh, Cleveland Guardians. 
uh, with a walk-off. And at the end, after the walk-off, fans in the outfield in Yankee Stadium were throwing things, including cans, onto the field at the Cleveland Guardians players. It was so bad that Aaron Judge and several of the other players actually went out uh, to the stands and said, hey, knock it off. It was a really, really ugly incident. And uh, so my question to you is this, and because it came up on social media, and it was like, well, you know, we need to start handing out lifetime bans to anybody involved in this. Can a lifetime ban really work? I mean, how do you do that? What are you gonna What are you gonna do? <laughs> how do you, How do you ban somebody from a ballpark? I mean, I suppose you could put it in their ticket your your ticket system so that they can't purchase tickets. But how are you really going to stop some idiot from going to a ball game? Well, one, yes, I think there should be lifetime bans. And two, I have no idea how you enforce it. I mean, you don't want to, <laughs> All right. Right, you, right? I, I mean, look, uh, there's, there's smarter people than me out there for that sort of thing. They can, you know, who knows with eye scans and the technology today, maybe there's a way to, to figure out who's coming into your stadium, but not that anybody wants to be, uh, you know, get a scan every time they come into the stadium. But, you know, I do think that just telling somebody they can't come back to the stadium is, uh, you know, and that you're not wanted can be good enough. Well, I have strong feelings on this, Gene, and I think they should take all those guys out in the outfield, take them to a room, and watch. Make them watch a A's doubleheader. There you go. <laughs> wow, cruel and unusual. Yeah, you you can't stop this except for put more policemen out there. That's the only way you're going to stop it. It's New York, doggone it. They're the evil umpire. They walked Miguel Cabrera. Instead of wanting to let him hit the 3,000 hit. Come on. They're the evil empire. Boo. <laughs> I, knew, I, knew that was, I knew that was coming up. And they, I mean, hey, in the, at least they're not throwing batteries anymore, right? I mean, a couple of beer cans. Well, uh, yeah, some no, benefit there. Okay. Congrat, congratulations. Yeah, congratulations. Uh, <laughs> but, the but, bar Paul, is low. The, the different. Yeah, the difference between you and me when you said have them come down like onto the field or, or you know and and watch a, a doubleheader. My difference was my my comment would have been let's have them come down to the field, go up to the one of the players they were throwing things at, and and curse them out to their face when yeah. they're within arm's reach of the player, and then let's see how brave these guys are. Not. Perfect. I suspect things will change. <laughs> I mean, the last word it's, it's only gonna. You know what? It would take. Well, you know what? You're probably you're exactly right, Eric. That's exactly what they would do. All of a sudden, they would be like, "Oh, boy, you're really a great player." Can I have your? You're you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. We're all friends here, right? This is a little joke. Yeah, right. Uh, Miles, did you see? Did you see the the uh, the clip? Miles Straw, who was the outfielder, center fielder, I think, for uh, the Guardians at the time, actually tried to climb the center field fence to get up into the stands to go after somebody. Had thrown that was that was uh, swearing at him and making obscene gestures. He actually tried to go into the stands, which is probably not the smartest thing in the world. Not really, in, no. In Yankee Stadium. No. So, uh, all right. Uh, now, positive news in the AL Central. Paul Arnold, Miggy. Yes. <laughs> Miggy gets number three thousand, and uh, what and what will probably be, I may, maybe I'm overstating this, maybe the biggest moment of, of his year. I agree. Yeah, that was it was going to come. That's why we're paying him so much money, and we didn't get rid of him because it's such a big moment. And I know we're going to probably talk about does anybody have else have a chance to do five hundred home runs at three thousand hits? Yes, he's a shell of what he used to be. Right. But he's such a great guy, and um, his friend from Venezuela threw up a nice heater right down the middle for him so he could slap it into right field or left field. And um, But it was just a real nice moment for him all the years he's played. He's been in the league almost 20 years. He went through some tough stretches with his wife and alcoholism. But he's really a generally a good guy, and we try not to begrudge him for his money. I mean, if they're willing to pay it, I mean, who wouldn't take it type of thing? Um, so I think this is his last year with the right. Tigers. And uh, I thought it was especially cool that Matthew Stafford flew in from L.A. 
and didn't make a big deal except for he went to the owner's box and they announced him to the whole crowd and crowd cheered wildly and then he went to the clubhouse and right. took a picture with him. Um, I mean, it, it says something about Detroit sports that our best moments are with guys who um, have better success away from here than here, but we'll take it anyway. <laughs> well, you know, what's interesting too, when I was watching one of the, one of the things that I thought was cool was after he got the 3000 hits, one of his former teammates, uh, Jose Iglesias uh, came running over from his position at shortstop and, and gave him like a bear hug. Yeah. And I just thought that that was a cool moment. A guy that, that used to be his teammate to, to, uh, to go out of his way to recognize it the way he did. I thought that was pretty cool. Eric's supposed to talk here, but he isn't. So Iglesias has no bat, but he has a lot of heart. And he played a couple good seasons from in Detroit after the Red Sox thought he couldn't hit anymore. And they were right. But, I think Cabrera is so highly regarded in Central America and the countries down there um, that so many other right. players have looked up to him for so much of the years. And he hasn't had it always easy down in his home country either. You know, uh, threats to his life, uh, kidnapping attempts, things like that. Um, so I'm glad he got it. And who knows when we'll see another 3,000 hit or who do the Triple Crown again. That was just so surreal when he did that. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I think we'll see 3,000 hits again because there's some people playing now that Jose Altuve is going to get 3,000 hits in his career. You know, I mean, he's only 31 years old and he's he's like, I think he's got 1,800 hits now, something like that. So I think he's going to get there. Um, yeah, and I think, you know, if Mike Trout can stay healthy, he can get there. Mike Trout might be the only guy playing today and again, it's going to depend on his health and how long he wants to play. He may be the only guy that has a chance to get 500 home runs and 3,000 hits that's playing right now. I think he's the only one who's got a shot. Not Bryce Harper? Um, but as, as I don't think so. No, I don't think so. No, I think because uh, Mike Trout generally hits for a higher average than Harper does. I mean, Harper's had a couple of decent years, but you know, for all those uh, for the decent years when he hits 320, then he's got some years where he hits 260. You know, so I, I think Mike Trout might be the only guy with an opportunity. Maybe you know, I may be wrong, um, but I mean, Jose Altuve, I think will get 3,000 hits. But if Jose Altuve hits 500 home runs, he's going to get drug tested every day. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I mean he's he's five he he's five six, you know. I mean, and and he can you know he can hit the ball out of the ballpark, but he's not he's not hitting five hundred home runs. But I think Mike I think Mike Trout's got a, a legitimate chance to do it. And I was just looking up his numbers, and as of right now, he's got. Uh, hang on. Yeah, he's got. Come on. He's got 15, he's only got 1,500 hits, so he's about halfway there. But he's got 314 home runs already. So he's less than 200 homers away, and he's about halfway to 3,000 hits. Now, the question is, does he want to play 20 years? Because that's probably what it's going to take. Or will his body allow him to play 20 years? That means he would have to play, uh, what, for another eight years where, you know, he'd be 39 years old, and I'm not sure his body's going to hold up that long. Yeah, the only other person I can think of who would even be in the conversation for that, I, maybe Manny Machado, if he you know manages to stay healthy and consistent through the rest of his career. He's, I mean, he's only 29. Is that what and he is? Yeah, yeah. And he's he's got 254 home runs, um, hits like 1500 okay. almost hits. He's I don't really think he'll do so it. He's, yeah. But he's got the numbers but, to where he but can, he's a, can do it. Right, but he. But he's another guy like Trout that doesn't seem to be able to stay on the field. Right. Exactly. Yeah. He's just, yeah, he, he's got the potential, but man, yeah, he's got several, <laughs> several ways he won't make it. Yeah. Two, now, two young guys that this, might, I'll, I'll get, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say two young guys that might make it, but so early in their careers, Juan Soto and then Acuna. I mean, they're both 23, 24, but you know what I'm really concerned about is the way we handle injuries now, and it's probably the right way to handle injuries, take care, 
be you know err on the side of caution. But you know, I I think a lot of times Cabrera played hurt. I know he played hurt. He played hurt. He he did it for the team. I think that's part of the reason a lot of players really loved him was he would play hurt and he had bad back and things like that. Um, I don't think these young guys are going to play hurt at all. I I think there's too much money involved now. Right. Um, I'll give you another. I'll give you another young guy. Uh, and and again. It's early, but he's certainly fun to watch, and that's Vlad Guerrero Jr. He's another guy. He's 23 years old, just like uh, Soto is, just like Acuna is. Um, so that's another guy I guess we could throw out there. I mean, you know, I may not be alive when he does it. <laughs> right. Wow, okay. <laughs> I mean, well, I'm, no, I'm, I'm, no, look, I'm trying to be realistic here. I'm 62 years old. I mean, you know, and if he plays, if he plays for another, you know, 18 years, I, you know, I hope I make it to 80, but hell, I may not. So, you know, I'm wondering, I, I'm looking at somebody a little bit older that's got a shot so that maybe I have a chance to see it before I meet, <laughs> meet my maker. Uh, how about how about a guy, you know, who's another guy I thought had a chance at one time? And, and this is kind of, uh, I always thought Eric Hosmer might be a guy that has a chance, that had a chance. But, boy, I'll tell you what, the worst thing he ever did was go to San Diego. Well, it wasn't until this year. Um, you know, he's actually had a, a pretty good start to this season. Uh, and you have to, that's kind of, to me, that's like one of the, uh, the things that's been interesting to watch this season is the change in some of these teams with, uh, you know, a change in man- management, you know, from between the Mets and the Padres, they both really seem to right. turn their fortunes around by bringing in a couple of experienced coaches and, you know, with, with Hosmer, uh, you know, he's really, um, you know, taken um, to the new direction on that team. And, you know, he sat down with the manager and and he, you know, you know, told him how much he appreciated him, how much he wanted him to be there. And now it looks like, you know, he, and he's just, you know, obviously he's having like a, a career resurgence. It's it's interesting to me how these, uh, you know, how important coaches are to even to some of these, um, or I say coaches, managers are to, even some of these veterans who've been around for a long time, you know, they just, some of them just need to be, you know, have a little bit of leadership, good leadership, and it can turn around. But yeah, as far as getting to 3000 hits, yeah, he's, he's had a couple of free times. I thought he actually, yeah, he wasn't going to make 500 homers ever, but I always thought that 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 might be a guy. I mean, when in his prime, when he was with the Royals, I mean, he was getting 175, you know, 180 hits a season. I mean, so I thought that's a guy that had a legitimate chance, but you know, then when he went to San Diego and he kind of got buried the last couple of years, it almost looked for a while. Um, and, and I hate to say it, but it almost looked for a while, like heck, maybe his career was winding down because he was like the forgotten man in San Diego. Yeah. It really felt, feels like he just, it just went just nowhere so fast. And, and part of that is, is he is very high in talent for sure. But I, they brought in so much right. talent in, 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 in San Diego that, um, you know, I think he got a little, um, you know, he wasn't the star anymore. Um, but you know, I think, I think that's what helped this year is that Melvin just sat him down and said, Hey, you're my guy. I believe in you. And, you know, uh, I think you can, you know, I want you to be here, which he hadn't heard in a couple of years. Right. Cause all people were talking about was, um, you know, how he had underperformed. So, you know, who knows if it'll stick, but, you know, right now he's batting 358. He's, um, let's see how many RBIs, you know, he's five RBIs, not a lot, but, you know, he's having, you know, a little bit of a, a resurgence anyway, in average. Um, let's stay out on the West coast for a second. And, uh, there was a lot of talk, um, I think it was what a, a week or so ago when Clayton Kershaw went to the mound and was throwing a perfect game for seven innings and they took him out of the game. Now it was with his blessing. I guess basically they came out and talked to him in the six and he said, I got one more left in me, but then the debate started, you know, should he have been pulled from the game? And you got all these old time pitchers. Ferguson Jenkins came out and basically said, I would have had to like had my arm broken. And even then I would have tried to roll it up to the plate if I had a perfect game. Um, so, um, but, but that leads me to a conversation that, uh, that I had the other day. And that's what the way things have changed in baseball. 
where now if a pitcher goes hell, if the Red Sox started Garrett Whitlock uh, uh, yesterday. He pitched four shutout innings, gave up one hit. They took him out of the game. You know, and we're seeing this on a routine basis. Rich Hill for the Red Sox today pitched four innings, threw like 65 pitches, had a shutout. They took him out of the game. They bring in the bullpen, uh, which did its best impersonation of a gas can and blew up. Um, and we're seeing this on a regular basis where, you know, these starting pitchers aren't expected to go deep anymore. Is that sustainable or are we going to wear out these bullpen arms before the all-star break? Well, I'm going to be curious to watch it over the course of the season because, you know, with the shortened spring training, it seems like it's, it's at a fever pitch right now. Like the Kershaw thing was especially crazy because I think, you know, with younger arms right now, I would be careful, you know, with that, with the shortened spring, but with a guy like Kershaw, I'd be like, let it roll, buddy. Right. Let's see what happens. Um, although with his injury history, maybe I, maybe I would be a little more careful, but yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to give it until late May, June to decide that they've gone completely crazy. But if this was a regular season without the, uh, with the normal spring training, I would be wondering what the heck was going on. Cause it's just been crazy with how, how short pitchers have been going. And I think they've, Something's got to, you know, maybe knock another pitcher off of the rosters, right? It's just, it's, it's, it's gotten pretty bonkers. I think it's a conspiracy to well, make I baseball know the more interesting, man. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Say, hey, well, don't start know, your pitchers. I know in the- put in the back, put in your bullpen, and make everybody nervous and crazy, and watch them get lit up and add more runs to every game. Anyway, <laughs> sorry. Well, and that was well, that's well. we'll We'll get, well, actually, we'll get, that's all right. We'll get to that in a second. But, um, you know, they were going to be able teams are going to be allowed to carry, I think, 14 pitchers early in the season. Or was it 15 pitchers, I think. But I think coming up here next week or the week after, they're going to be limited to how many pitchers they can have on their active roster. It's going to go back to like 26 on the active roster instead of, I think they're allowed to carry 28 now. It's going to go back to 26 and they're going to be limited to either 12 or 13 pitchers. So they're not going to have those couple of extra arms that they have right now. So I, uh, Eric, I think that it will, if we get into the middle of May and we still have pitchers going four and five innings, I'm really going to be concerned for, uh, yeah. the state of the game and, 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 the, and the, it's just, it's not resembling the game that I grew up loving at all. And I look, I, I'm not one of those guys. Well, yes, I am, but I, I'm, gonna say I'm not one of those guys that says the old ways are always better, but you know, I'm not saying guys need to pitch nine innings like the old days. I'm not saying give it to one guy and I'm going to, but for God's sake, can we at least have an expectation? You're going to pitch into the seventh inning. Is that too much to ask? I mean, even just five to get, to get the win, right? I mean, I don't understand why the starters are putting up with it. I mean, they're they're paid a lot on the wins, right? That's that you know. But if you don't, you have to have five innings to get a win. So if if you're getting pulled in the fourth, well, you know, and you're throwing a shutout, why would you be happy? It's crazy. It just makes no sense to me. Uh, yeah, but look, these these analytics eggheads they have in every front office have devalued the win. They basically said wins don't matter anymore. It's team victories. Individual wins for a starting pitcher aren't really uh, anything that's that's valued anymore by any front office. And that, that's that's part of the problem. And I think that and maybe it's maybe it's just me being old, having trouble wrapping my head around it. But it just doesn't it just doesn't feel right to me when when, you know, the Red Sox have two guys on back to back days, go out and pitch four innings. They've thrown less than 70 pitches. And yet they're out of the game after four, with, despite the fact they haven't given up a run. It makes zero sense to me. The only yeah, sense okay. is if they're saving and, and, them for the long haul. You know, the, the, it will do four innings now, so they'll be available in July and August. But how do you know? Uh, yeah, well, and, and another thing. Get off my lawn. <laughs> That's what I'm going to say. <laughs> um. When you, uh, what Paul mentioned about you know score more runs, make everybody crazy, runs are down across Major League Baseball this year significantly, 
and home runs are down significantly in Major League Baseball this year. So it begs the question, are we playing with a dead ball? Are they, have, they, have they monkeyed with the ball yet again? And, and are they going to, in the middle of the season, when people are pissed off, we don't have 87 home runs in a game, are they going to change the ball in midstream? You know, we know they've done it before, but it appears that we have a dead baseball to start the year. So they've standardized the humidor across all of the stadiums, right? So apparently that was there was no standard right. before, I guess. So yeah, so that, that's that's <laughs> the that's the contention is that you know the standardization of how I guess pro- probably the humidity, I assume at what at what at what level of humidity they keep the baseballs uh, is since it's now standardized that it's now that's it's turned it into a, a bit of a dead ball. Which you know, uh, it seems to be true um, because yeah, the home run production is way way down, and they've looked at even like with uh, you know uh, uh, you know velocity off the bat and 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 angle, and even when they look at that, the you know balls that were home runs last year are just flyouts this year, and there's been a number of times when a batter comes up and you know, hits a ball pretty hard and he's, you know, pimping out a, a home run trot out of the box and he ends up flying out to middle center field. So, you know, obviously something's a little right. kooky going on out there. Do they keep the so your contention in? is just, it's, it's, <laughs> I knew I, Paul, I knew you were going to go with the cigars. I knew that was coming. <laughs> So your your contention, Eric, is that it's the humidor, not the baseball. On my very light research, that's what I've come to. Yes. Okay. All right. Well, all I know is we play baseball for 150 years without a humidor. That's all. I'm just. That's all I'm going to say. Is that true? And get off my lawn. Wait. <laughs> I, I, we've been using humidors for a long time. I think they, to score the balls. No, right? they didn't. The only. The only the only place that was using a humidor in the beginning was Colorado. Oh, right. They started using the, they started using them in Colorado when the Rockies came into existence. Nobody had ever used one of those before. And then a few other teams started using them and now they've kind of standardized it and to me this is just another egghead analytics crock. <laughs> just that's just me, you know. I just I just I it's just great. To me, I think they've monkeyed with the baseball. I think it's as simple as that. I, I think I think that they because and this is my conspiracy theory and, and I'm not usually a conspiracy theorist, but I, I'm contending and they've monkeyed with the baseball. They want the numbers down because when the numbers are down, they can keep salaries down after they just gave up all they gave up in the collective bargaining agreement and the players are going to get all this increase in salary. Now they're going to find a way to try to keep salaries down. So they're going to take the home run and the RBI numbers away. Just my opinion. Yikes. 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 <laughs> I, I mean, the teams make more money, don't they, when the game's more exciting? I, and, and look, I realize that the MLB is great at uh, making bad decisions that end up uh, putting egg on their face instead of doing the, the right thing. But I think, uh, I think they realize that home runs are – uh, part and parcel with with the excitement in the game. I, I would be surprised if that was their Except, motive. I, I will say this though: the Red Sox won a game against the Rays the other night, won nothing. It was a fun game to watch. They lost that game yesterday, three two in ten innings. Despite the fact that they lost, it was still a fun game to watch. So, and maybe it's just me as a purist, and it's, maybe it's me as an old man, but I'm okay with three to two games. Oh, all I'm no saying is, that. is that, yeah, all I'm saying is, is that at, at some point, there's got to be some explanation for why balls are not flying this year. I mean, it just, and, and, and if you think it's the humidor, uh, I'll go with you. And it probably sounds better than the crazy old man sitting in his basement <laughs> in North Carolina saying it's a conspiracy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think uh, uh, with, <laughs> I, I just I can't imagine that they would want to uh, not have uh, that they would want less home runs. That said, I'm with you. 
I've always been a pitching and defense guy. I would rather watch, especially on TV. I love a crisp two and a half hour, mm-hmm. three to two, oh, yeah. one to three, whatever, yeah. like short game. It's if there's defense, and good pitching. It's great to watch. Yeah. If you love baseball, it's great to watch. Watching home run derby to me is just, I'd rather watch just home run derby, right? I can, I can find that on, on YouTube and just watch home runs. I don't, right. to me, home runs are, aren't really that interesting. It's great when, you know, Salvi plants one in the fountains. Sure. But um, for me, for what I really like about baseball, defenses and pitching is, is what it's all about. So the three old guys on our way out, the uh, last question I have for you guys is this. Uh, there's been a lot of talk about teams having to go to play in Toronto this year and that every team is going, or most teams are going to have players that cannot go to play in Toronto because they are not vaccinated uh, from Front and center for the Red Sox. Now he's on the IL, fortunately. But Chris Sale has not been vaccinated. Uh, Tanner Houck, who is in their rotation, he is their number three starter, is not vaccinated. He will not be going to play in Toronto next week when the Red Sox go. And they have two or three other players. They have not named who they are, but they have two or three other players on their roster that will not be able to go. The Yankees' Aaron Judge is not vaccinated. Uh, there are players, other players on the Yankees. Every team is going to face this. And my, so my question to you is this, look, I'm all about, per, I'm all for personal choice. Everybody has a choice, but at the same time, if you are Chris sale or you are whoever Aaron judge, do you not have an obligation to get vaccinated because you are part of a team and you are letting your team down if you are not available? Well, look, it's uh, like you said, it's a personal choice, um, but it's also part of playing in an international league. There's going to be different rules in different countries. And if you choose not to follow by that country's rules, there's uh, consequences for that. Right. So if if that's the way it is and that's your choice, then that's just the way it is. I mean, there's I mean, look, I have pretty strong feelings about uh, getting vaccinated and uh, uh to put it mildly and uh, uh and you know if uh if someone chooses to not uh you know do that and, and be a responsible uh adult then that's uh that's the way it goes then that team is going to be without that person yeah that's a good but, uh, do do their teammates but do their teammates have the right to be angry at them yeah yeah, they do. That's a consequence. Is there any player do you think a team would trade just because they did this? I don't, you know, this is the point. Good players are so hard to come by in professional sports that, yes, they can decide not to get vaccinated, but they risk losing their job or getting traded, but no team has done that yet, have they? Where they've traded a player, like Detroit Red Wings has a player uh, Bertinelli, I think his name is, who's a really good winger who's not vaccinated and he's missed like 20 to 30 games this year and they could have really used that to make the playoffs and he chose not. And I thought, is there any point they're going to trade this guy? And so you can you have your choice to do it, but you put yourself at risk. But so far, I don't know any player that's been traded or has suffered any penalties except for not getting paid as much. Well, I can tell you this. Uh, the Red Sox, uh, when they were looking at free agents, they would not sign a free agent who was not vaccinated. Yeah. So I think that it is playing into the, yeah, yeah. I think it's, I think it's playing into, uh, perhaps some free agent decisions. I don't know. You know, I don't know. I I don't know if somebody would, I, I tell you what, if I'm the Detroit Red Wings and I have a guy that's not hurt and he's not available for a quarter of my games because he won't get vaccinated. I, I'd, I'd be hard pressed, I think, to want to, to keep him around. That's just me. Yeah, but I agree. That was, I mean, that was a tough you know, one. But you can make a choice, but you have to live with your consequences. And anybody who's not getting vaccinated, you know you're going to at least lose money, but you may lose your job. 
You know, that yeah, was well I, said uh, by both you guys. That, you know, it's, it's very well said, because it's kind of like you just sounded like a couple of parents. You know what? You can, you can do whatever you want. Just understand there's consequences for your actions, right? Yeah. That's the way it goes. Yep. Well, I don't think there's any clean answer to this, because, again, we live in a we live in, in a country where you are free to make your own decisions. And, and I have people in my own family uh, that didn't want to get vaccinated. And, you know, uh, the, the consequence might be, well, you know, you can't go here or you can't go there. And, well, you know, we're going to a party, but you can't go. And I'm sorry. But, you know, actually, I'm not sorry. <laughs> we're going to a party. And you can't go. I mean, it's just I, I think that uh, I, I just think it's a little bit more uh, difficult or nuanced when you are part of a team and your teammates are counting on you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Um, but I mean, it's not like I don't respect somebody who has a strong stand on something, but it's just, man, you know, if, 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 if you feel that strong and you've got a good reason for it, fine, but there's just no good reason to not get vaccinated. And uh, you can tell me all the things you want, but there, there just isn't just get the vaccine, support your teammates, support people who, uh, you know, are immuno- immunocompromised and just, just do it. Well, for the three grumpy old guys and one <laughs> crazy guy down here in North, North Carolina, I'm Gene Gums. He's Eric Braun. He's Paul Arnold. Thanks for joining us. We'll be back in a couple of weeks with another edition of the boys of summer. Have a great day, everybody.